Welcome back, everyone, to the Quantum Heart Cafe. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week and is enjoying uh, the weather. It's kind of cool down here in Vancouver, but unfortunately, we have some pretty bad wildfires, so it's a bit smoky out there, um, which is a shame because it's the, they got fires out in Hope, BC, and uh, I think there also have fires in the States as well, so we're getting kind of um, smoked out of here. <laughs> and um, and sorry, I want to apologize that I haven't uh, posted anything in the last couple of weeks. Just been, I've just had a lot of stuff going on uh, personally, but I am making a commitment to post on a regular basis. And today I have a special show today and a special guest and announcement. And uh, and I will be uh, concluding the book. Or I'm close to finishing the geoengineering transhumanism uh, book by Alana Freeland. Uh, so either I'll have a chance to talk about that at the after I've had a conversation with our guest today, or I'll do that in a uh, follow-up podcast. Uh, so this state, this be thank you for being patient. Just bear bear with me. I'll, I'll get to the last last part of her book soon. Um, so today, uh, as you know, I throughout this podcast, I often reference uh, Alison McDowell's work, and if you aren't familiar with who she is. Uh, she's an activist and uh, researcher, and she's done a lot of really important uh, work and writing on the emergence of a digital empire run by AI. And uh, she's written on a, a numerous topics such as uh, blockchain, uh, social impact investing, human uh, capital, I think human, it's human capital management, um, uh, light, photonics, uh, and a number of other really important topics all relating to the emergence of this cybernetic global system that the powers that shouldn't be want to impose on all of us. And uh, I will be uh, providing links to her blog post, uh, Wrench in the Gears, as well as her uh, video presentations. And today I have a, a special guest and a, a friend and collaborator of Allison's, uh, Jason, ba uh, Jace, Jason Bosch. Uh, Jason, sorry. Jason is a uh, filmmaker and he's a, um, and he uh, tells important, or he's a facilitator that tells important, has important discussions and interviews about topics that are, that he, uh, that are important. And uh, he often collaborates with Allison and helps her put together her video presentations. And I believe also helps to manage some of her social media, her YouTube uh, channel. And Jason has recently created a, a discourse uh, forum, which I've also joined as a, a, a researcher talking about what's going on in Vancouver. And uh, today he's with us to just um, talk about an important or announce a fundraiser for upcoming uh, trip to three week trip, I think, to California. Uh, but before we get into that, I usually with my shows, I like to do. Um, just a moment of gratitude where I invite either myself, if, I'm, if, if it's a solo show or if it's a, a guest speaker, I have them, you know, if there's anything that they're grateful for, I just offer uh, a few moments if they'd like to share that with the audience. And so thank you for being here, Jason. Ah, thank you. Um, yeah. So you, you, you're asking, you're asking what I'm grateful for. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, nature. I mean, like one of, one of my 
one of the things that grounds me is I go camping a lot. So, um, and I usually just go alone, you know, and I'll, I'll go out for like sometimes, you know, a couple weeks or more, um, you know, and just, uh, be in, be in the, be in the wilderness. So that's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm really grateful for, but I'm also grateful for people that, um, are thoughtful and compassionate and critical. Uh, you know, so, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my efforts in life have been trying to, trying to understand what this world's about and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, what, what, why are we here? <laughs> And I don't know why we're here. I have no idea why we're here, but I do. I, I think empathy is really important, and um, and critical thought is actually, you know, very important. Being able to try a, attempt to seek out truth as much as possible. Not saying you ever get there, and obviously there are. We live in paradoxical situations, but um, you know the pursuit of. So people that are willing to uh, face even uncomfortable truths, I think, is is something that I, I really appreciate in, in in folks. And so, yeah, yeah, and I I'm kind of grateful for uh, something similar. And it, I think it's with maybe just uh, some own right, some of my uh, personal growth I've kind of been going through. It's like just learning to. Um, be compassionate towards other people, especially even people that maybe not, maybe we don't agree with each other or we have um, a different perspective. Uh, I think it's just learning to, even if we can, uh, I think it's just learning to agree to disagree, but not, um, and just leaving it at that, you know, because maybe that person has their own history or their own way, reasons why they think that way. And, um, but then it's just kind of leaving that, leaving it there and just kind of keeping, keep on moving in a way, or just staying, uh, compassionate with other people. Yeah. Um, what's well, difficult, was, especially with certain, you know, there are, there are obviously people in this world who are doing incredible harm. And, mm-hmm. and so like, I think the natural, you know, your natural re- re- response is you want to hate, hate these people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't hate anybody, including people that are just like straight up evil, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I will say that there are people who are in this world who are doing uh, incredible, like for lack of a better word, a lot of evil things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it actually serves the, the cause or whatever to hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always love. I used to show documentaries and whenever, and even in film, I'm really into film and my favorite stories are redemption stories mm-hmm. where so, someone, someone it like sees the light and is like, Oh wow. Like I, I, I was doing something that was harmful and, and, and now I'm, uh, I'm going to acknowledge that, I, you know, and change maybe. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. People have, I guess, epiphanies. Or something happens and they realize that they, what they're doing is a right. And then they, they start to change. And yeah, I think holding that openly can, I think there's a lot of, at least possibility open for other people to also have their own epiphanies maybe. Um, Cause you know, there's a lot. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say too, is that there's like, 
a lot of really, especially in the, the history, like especially this continent's history, because I also include Canada in it. Uh, but just with colonialism and so on, like uh, holding open the possibility for a redemption. And I think that that's really healing too. Those stories are very healing. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I, I like those stories too. Not so much like the anti-hero stuff, but just like someone who has done, um, you know, has done something awful in their past, but then something happens and they start to go on a, a journey of trying to change and, and redeem for the better. Yeah. Uh, and then, okay. And then I was wondering, cause I don't know if too many people are uh, aware of your work and maybe aware of how, um, you've kind of gotten involved with Allison's work. Like, is that something that you would mind uh, just giving a bit of a, a background and then maybe we can start talking about uh, California and the fundraiser after that. Yeah. Well, I can give you the short version. Um, okay. Basically I've, yeah, I've always been interested in film and media production and, but I've also been interested in the world. Like even in high school, I was kind of like, uh, listening to talk radio and trying to, you know, get involved with politics and the golf, the first Gulf war, uh, was going on when I was in high school. And, um, and I just, uh, I've just always been kind of curious as to like, why, why war? Why, why do people do, you know, harm, you know, like it, it just didn't make any sense to me, but I wanted to understand it. Um, you know, there's a, Bob Dylan's song, I ain't going to study war no more. And I was like, actually, I want to study it because I want to understand why it's happening. You know, what, what, how does, how does it come about where people are, you know, committing mass murder? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, I, I, in, in the late nineties, I, I started actually getting really involved with like the human rights com you know, community, uh, human rights watch, Amnesty International, all that stuff. And I was studying, uh, there was there was a civil war going on in Sierra Leone that was really brutal, and I was studying that, and I was just trying to trying to wrap my mind around why why all this was happening, and I knew that the the media narrative was not it didn't make sense it just it just didn't make any sense, um, so I was studying that, and I actually wanted to go to Sierra Leone and make a documentary, but I did a fundraiser and lost money on the fundraiser. And I'm like, okay, um, I have less money after doing the fundraiser than I did when I before doing the fundraiser. So I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Um, but I, I, I learned about the Human Rights Watch International Film Festival. I went out to New York and I saw a bunch of the films and I, I said, hey, I want to bring some of these films back to Denver. And then that kind of like, I started doing, you know, films, showing documentary films. And then more importantly, it was less about the film, but more about the discussions that would happen afterward. So over the, over the, over the next like 17 years, I guess, I, I started, I think I started a thing called Argus Fest, which, um, I would show documentary films and I would bring in guest speakers, authors, different things like that. I did art events, music events, but it was all around having discussions and trying to educate ourselves about human rights and, and then also environmental issues, poverty, you know, all the, you know, all the things that are, um, plaguing our world. And, it, but even that, as I started to get along, I just started to become jaded with the nonprofits and the, you know, the, everyone, the solution is supposed to be in, within the nonprofit or the political party. And I realized that they're actually part of the problem. So I was kind of studying nonprofits, the nonprofit industrial complex. 
and um, did, started doing interviews around that. And I've also – poverty has been a big issue. There's a woman by the name of Sherry Honkala that I've worked with for over 10 years um, documenting and also helping do organizing around homelessness and poverty. She's out of Philadelphia. And so it was kind of a weird situation how I met Allison was – you know, I was talking to Sherry about some of these – some of the things that were going on in 2020 and – she was like, Oh, you got to meet, you got to meet Al, you got to meet my friend Allison, who had been working with Sherry too. But I, cause I only go out there. I live in Denver. So I would just periodically go out to Philadelphia to do stuff for, you know, a few weeks or maybe a month at a time. Um, and then, but I never, it never happened. <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm going to cough. <laughs> so I'm muting myself to cough, you guys. So that's what that's about. Um, anyway, so. I just kind of forgot about that, but she had mentioned Allison to me. And then a few months later, uh, a woman by the name of Corey Morningstar had posted a video of, of Allison giving a presentation. And 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 a, a friend of mine, Belinda, was in the background of the video. I was like, oh, I know Belinda. Okay, yeah, that's that's the Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign is the, the group that Sherry uh, manages. Um so anyways, I was like, oh, wow, like this is this is the Allison that <laughs> Sherry was talking about. But the video was terrible. The video production was awful. The audio was ter terrible. And like even her presentation, like she was throwing slides up on the screen faster than you could even like like you, like I was pausing the video to just look at the dang slide. I'm like, she needs some help with video production. And and I'd been meaning to get back out to Philadelphia. So just like even before the video was done, I was like, oh, I'm going out to Philly and I'm going to interview her and like try to make a decent video. So I, I ended up doing that. I contacted her and went to her house and did a like a five-hour interview and I broke it up into five parts. And that interview has since gotten, I think, you know, maybe like 50,000 views or something. Um, and from there, we just started working together because I realized – what she was talking about, even though I didn't actually fully understand it, but the whole, cause I didn't know anything about social impact finance or any of that stuff, but I already was already like introduced to, I mean, it was, it was easy, it was easy for me to slide into because I was already studying money and banking, the economic system, the nonprofit industrial complex, the problems with the political parties. And, and I, and I already had a pretty good understanding of, of the landscape around environmental issues, around poverty issues, around, justice issues around all these different issues that 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 the impact finance is actually now inserting itself into um so that was in you know may of 2020 and since then pretty much consistently we've been i've been producing videos with her and um we've we've taken trips to you know i've gone out to philly a couple of times we went to texas we went to um arizona uh we we Utah. She came out to Colorado. I mean, we produced a lot, a lot, a lot of videos that are informative. And and one of the things, you know, she she does presentations where she does slideshows and she presents on topics. But another thing she does is we'll go to the locations where these things are being built, and it it, it like makes it more real. I think because um, at first I'm like, why do we need to go there? We can just talk about it. You know, but but I think actually the idea of going there is is useful. One second. Sorry, I keep pausing to cough. <laughs> um, 
so anyways, we've done a ton of these things. And, um, so yeah, more recently we were like, and I knew it was at some point we were going to have to go to California because there's just so much, so much of what's being built is, is situated in California. And so, uh, yeah, we, we decided that we wanted to take a trip and it's, we want to do like a three week long trip out there covering a lot of different locations from the Bay area all the way down to San Diego. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of what we're, what we're, what we're doing. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's because that's one of the things like where I always get a lot of, um, from your guys' work is when you do those field, uh, when you go to the sites, because it does make it more real. Like you, like going to different areas and, and being like, this is like when you, like the one that comes to mind for some reason is like when you guys visited Nest in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's one thing to read about that on an article. It's another thing to see where all these places are. And, um, that's inspired as well, like something where I started checking out who's at in my own community because like, these guys aren't just in one or these organizations. I want to say organizations because I want to get away. I mean, I've been guilty for this too, like just focusing on, on people like specific. I mean, not that they're not important. Like they, there's directors and uh, managers and people who are involved, but I also want to go beyond that and focus on organizations and like the, the structure of empire as well, because um I think that's something that often gets maybe missed. And I think that's really important because these organizations are all in our backyards and they do have their, you know, the specific directors and usually they're networked and they know each other. Um, and they may have different names from organizations in, let's say in another community, but they're doing the same thing. Uh, and I think that's really important because a lot of this is being rolled out on the local level. And with it being local, it's also an opportunity, there's a chance for us to learn more and to stand up and say, hey, we don't want this in our backyard. Um, so I think there's a lot, there's a, um, I think it's important to look at the, our own local areas as well and do our own field research. Like who's, who's who in the zoo kind of thing? Like who's part of this? Like the, the local history of the place as well. Like, um, you know, something I want to do is talk more about uh, Vancouver's colonial history as well and, and BC's uh, colonial history. Because from what I understand, the um, like all the other provinces in Canada have treaties um, and they broke all the treaties with the uh, First Nations. But here in BC, we didn't even bother with the treaty. It's just like we came in and we were like, hey, this is ours. <laughs> you know, like kind of thinking about Stephen Newcomb's book on... Um, pagan in the promised land and like the whole dome and, and the language of domination and just including that in my own research into my community but then it's all because it's global it's still linked to other communities around the world but and that's where i think a trip out to california and you both of you doing this uh field research is really important because maybe it also inspires other people to start looking into their own communities. And I think there are some that are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a couple things about what you just said is, um, first of all, there's a lot of narrative around 
like, tr- you know, people like see all this bad stuff happening mm-hmm. and they always want to point the finger to, to something out there. There's something out there that that's, that's causing this, this thing to happen to me. Um, you know, even going back, it used to be like, you know, the immigrants are coming to take us or it's the Chinese or the Russians or, you know, there's always some, some thing that's out there. But like what we're trying to point out is the, the thing that's, that we're dealing with is, is, is built with, you know, here and it's, it's, in, it's global, it's integrated and it's your next door neighbor. And it's, it's people that are, that are, that are maybe in your family that are helping to build it. And it's not that it's not even them as human beings, because you know, we're not autonomous agents in this world. Like we don't have like tr- true genuine agency. If you look at all the different things in place in terms of making us conform to the system, the big one is you, you get a job, you know, hang on one second. I'm sorry. I'm still getting over this cough. Um, but you get a job, you're paid to do a certain job. You're not paid to do whatever you want or have your own, like, Hey, I don't think we should be doing this or should we, (laughs) you know, uh, that's just the very nature of the thing. And, And even like university, you go through school and there's, it's school is grooming. It's grooming you for, you know, the, the work, the work world, the work, work life. And that's not about you as, as a autonomous, free thinking, conscious being, um, and so like, you know, you mentioned about like, you know, getting away from the individuals. Um, yes, I think we do need to hold people, you know, accountable and say, Hey, you know, you, we sh- maybe this isn't the best thing to be doing, but also like, I, I do have sympathy for people, like even people that are like kind of high up that are doing this, you know, they're, they're products of something. They're not like, they're not allowed to like, they, they, to, to just do and think whatever they want. Like even me, like I don't have any money. Like I, I get gigs here and there doing, you know, photography or video production, but like I, I've, I've kind of structured my life, which is difficult because I don't have, have money usually, but um, to, so that I can try to at least attempt to be somewhat autonomous in my thinking and, 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 and my pursuits. Uh, and, and, and even for me, it's very difficult to actually do that and pursue that. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's systemic. Um, Allison likes to use a emergent, like what's happening is kind of emergent and I'm still trying to wrap my mind around like how, how that, that exact framing, but yeah, it, it is like, there's, it's not simply, you know, these, these people out there or this thing out there that's encroaching on you. It's, it's integrated. Yeah, it's both the, at the, the global and the local level. I think it's like the, there's a, a saying in, um, some spiritual traditions where it's like the, the micro and the macro. Um, and they, they, they inform each other. They're not separate. And or so as just, above, so is below or as below. So I, or how, I, I don't know how that phrase is, but yeah, something like that. And so I think that's what they're doing is like they know that the there's the micro and like that that it's integrated but you know i think it's important for us to remember that as well because then because we're part of that too like we're not separate like you're saying and yeah and 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 just but the the university like i was in the university system for a little while 
And I kind of struggled in that because I didn't really fit in too much with it. Um, and then I just dropped out because I didn't, there were, you know, saying that I need to take more credits for my degree. And I just said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, um, but they don't, you try and like say something like I, when I was going to university, it was back in like the, uh, when Occupy Wall Street was happening. And I, I don't know how much of that was organized by, I'm not sure, but at the time I thought it was really cool because I was just like, oh, maybe they're opening up a, a dialogue about some really important issues. And so I tried to bring that dialogue and it's business school. So it's like the corporate, you know, it's the guys that are heavily involved in this. And I try and bring this up to as best I can, like bring this up into presentation, like include that in presentations and so on at school. And um, it was only after the presentation finished and like the the students left that the teacher would come up and say, I agree with you. It was like in quiet because they didn't want to risk agreeing with me and they, because I guess they didn't want to risk their job or something. And and that's kind of how the system is. Like they want people in a specific spot. And if you try and like deviate or get out of that spot, like you get, it's almost like they punish you and to try and get you back into there by taking away your job, your house or what have you, uh, the means to support yourself. So it's, I think it's kind of like an abusive relationship if you, if you know it's it's like you have to it's like walking on the eggshells with someone if anyone's ever been in a situation like that and it's awful like when you start to become aware of just how like cruel it can be like the system itself like you know it really does feel like it's uh, uh an abuse an abusive relationship if that's maybe maybe more people relate to that a bit more yeah i agree for sure um and then, so for your site, for your visits in California, um, I know this, like, I, I was reading through the description on Wrenching the Gears, and I'll I'll put that in the show notes as well. Like, I'll, I'll link to if people want to learn more and support the, the fundraiser. Um, but just if you can maybe talk a bit more about the, the fundraiser and maybe some of the sites that you and Allison would like to visit, uh, and just maybe an overview of some of the work that you'd like to uh do while you're out there yeah hang on one second let me bring it up so i'm actually looking at it um but yeah as far as the <laughs> i I'm, I'm usually kind of more behind the camera um you know i i do i i do my own work but a lot of a lot i'm, I'm actually i rely quite heavily on allison with a lot of this stuff because she's like 24 <laughs> seven on it. She's a lot better at, better at that. But, um, I think we have a list of, um, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of the places, the Salk Institute at UCSD, um, Jonas Salk, which of course is, is, you know, heavily on like the vaccine stuff, but, um, I'm looking at the list, the, the, the Esalen Institute, Esalen. I don't know if you're from, are you familiar with Esalen? It's, it was kind of like back in the sixties, it was kind of like this alternative, um, psychotherapy, like new age sort of like thing. But a lot of it I think has to do with like mind control and, and there's some weird things about it and, and some other things have grown out of it. There was a thing called, um, the, um, the forum, the landmark forum. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. That kind of grew out of Esalen, but it's like self, it's like self help, 
like uh, self improvement, self empowerment sort of stuff, but they have like like some of the tactics are actually kind of like cult like. <laughs> Um, the Singularity University in Santa Clara, uh, that's, that's kind of promoting this idea of, um, kind of the global brain. Hold on one second. Sorry. Sorry for keep pausing here, but my, my cough keeps going. Oh, coming. that's okay. Um, at least I'm, I'm pausing it for the, for the people <laughs> listening. So you don't have to listen to me cough <laughs> into the microphone. Um, just so you know, that's why the, the, the pauses are happening. Um, let's see. Santa Clara, California is actually really interesting because the whole you're, – you're familiar with the idea of corporate personhood. Yeah. That started in Santa Clara, California. Oh, wow. It was Santa Clara versus uh, – I can't remember. A railroad. Some, one of the railroads. But okay. that was the court case. And I'm not a fan of Tom Hartman. He's like a progressive radio guy. I used to really like him a lot and then I just – he's but then I just – as I grew, <laughs> I realized that he's very much a part of the problem because he promotes – he promotes the polarity of the Democrat versus Republican and God, right. if we could just get Democrats in office, all that nonsense. Right. Um, but he did write a really good book called Unequal Protection all about the, the rise of corporate personhood and okay. he tells in, – in it, he tells the story of this this – this court case and, and the corporations have been trying to get corporate personhood for a long time. And the courts would always just like, that's ridiculous. Corporations aren't people, but there was a, there was a case. Uh, I should grab the book, but Santa Clara versus such and such railroad. I can't remember. You can look it up. It was like an 18, maybe 97 or something. Um, and the court case actually didn't declare that, corporations are persons but what happens is whenever there's a court case some there's a clerk that will write a summary of the case and the guy who had connections and i'm, I'm just going off a of memory here because it's been years since i read the book but the guy who was the clerk had like had like connection had ties to the railroad mm-hmm. and he in, in the in the summary he wrote something that implied that the corporate that 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 this case declared corporate personhood is a thing so then in, in subsequent court cases, they would refer back to this, but they were referring to the, the the court summary rather than the case itself. So the whole corporate personhood, anything that Tom Hartman is arguing is actually not, is not legitimate because it was all based on a fraud to begin with. But that all started in Santa Clara. And so we're going to Santa Clara, Singularity University. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on in Santa Clara, California, obviously with the COVID stuff too. They're, they're very central. Um, but, uh, there's also like a, a big mission, you know. So one of the things we're looking at when we go out there is the history of the mission system and the role that these missionaries have played in um, establishing uh, dominance over certain areas and and over people people and of culture. And there's, you know, I know Canada has a lot of a lot of the the history of like, um, I, I mean, I don't know if they had like specific missions per se, but like. You know that uh, that that cultural domination through the yeah. churches. Yeah, we had that, and we had the residential schools, and I think that's where uh, I, I'm sure you've heard about it in the news, maybe, but the, they've been finding a lot of the children um, by the residential schools. It's really, I mean, it, it wasn't just a Catholic church involved, but um, you know, it's just the you know, it's just part of this, the dominate that that 
system of domination and um and even then i think the church is still maybe dragging their feet not releasing records of who who was there so that the families can bring their children home uh and it's just like just give it back like just give them the records is the but anyway i don't want to get this you know yeah, that's yeah, just how sure. i personally think about it but yeah we have it up here too is the uh the residential schools and it was it wasn't just like catholics it was anglicans there's a bunch of the denomination uh were involved as well yeah i have heard about the residential schools and the the horrors really the, the horrors that came out of that um and, and so yeah so we, that's one of the places um we're going to visit one of the Japanese internment camps, which I think is a really important piece of history. Um, and Hollywood, you know, Los Angeles, California, the role that Hollywood has played and still plays in shaping people's worldview and their, and the, the stories that, um, that help, per, uh, drive this, this system forward, you know, because you have to have people like, have faith or belief in, in, in this. And we always hear this, uh, you know, all this stuff, this tech and all this stuff we hear mm-hmm. over and over and over. This is all inevitable. This it's just inevitable. You can't. And, and a lot of that c- comes through the storytelling and, and the power of storytelling, I think is really the average, you know, most people go see a movie and they don't, they don't think that it's just entertainment, but they don't really, I think people don't really acknowledge just how powerful storytelling is in shaping your worldview and not necessarily towards um, an ethical or truthful worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, I've also, oh, go sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, oh, I was just, just saying, say- that's why we're going to a lot. We, you know, we, Los Angeles is a lot of sites we'll visit there. Okay. Uh, like, like Allison's like, we could probably do like three days just on Disney. <laughs> <laughs> probably. That place is kind of creepy. <laughs> and I used to like Disney when I was a kid, like that Mickey, but upon le- learning the history of it and learning like, you know, there's some creepy stuff in there. Um, and that would be an interesting uh, place to visit in and of itself. I think they've also, I, there, I saw a trailer and it was very, because the topic of magenta, not that I, wanted, I don't want to take away too much from the, the topic of the podcast, but um oh there's a new movie that disney came out with and the name escapes me right now but i'll find it but it's a 3d movie and there's magenta all over the place like it's everywhere like the whole movie is just like but if you don't know if you don't if you're not aware of the symbolism and just how they tell stories most people maybe not think anything of it they'll just be like oh that's a you know it's kind of a cool animation but they won't they won't have the um the, the means to kind of see past that and be like, oh, this is part of their their narrative, their storytelling to try and get us to accept this. And I'm kind of noticing like there's, I mean, I try not to watch too too many movies, but especially with like horror movies and stuff, the recent ones, there's like this theme of um, the inevitable, like unknown or the scary unknown and stuff like that. And like a real like, and maybe that's a topic of in and of itself for another podcast, but this like real um, fanfare of H.P. Lovecraft's work, like that's all been creeping into a lot of stuff. And so, um, but if you don't have that lens and you think that, oh, those are the only stories that were being told when there's other 
that's that's just a part of that's their stories that they want to tell for their own specific uh agenda and storytelling when there's other there's other stories out there not just the ones that hollywood produces but yeah they they want us to thinking that that's all true and that's all like the stuff is inevitable and I've, I've heard that from people that i try and talk to about um the emergence of a digital empire and especially like digital id and stuff and like oh it's inevitable you know like they're kind of they kind of come a, across as cynical a little bit like and i'm just saying that i don't think that this is inevitable it's just the stories that we're being told and if we can just step outside of that and you know, use our imaginations to find, I mean, it's important to understand what's going on, but then as we learn what's going on, like we have powerful imaginations. I'm sure we can figure out something else that doesn't involve, um, you know, mining the, continuing to mine the earth for these rare earth minerals that they need to build the, all these gadgets and sensors and stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? Yeah. It's like your your belief in it kind of makes it so. Mm-hmm. I used to go back and forth with people on the political – back when I actually had a little bit more faith in the political process. I mean I never mm-hmm. had faith in it, but I, I have I, – to me it's completely useless at this point. But there was a point where I was like – Hey, people, like it was the whole two-party thing. They're like, oh, you know, you have to pick one of the party members because you can't – a third party couldn't win. I was like, the majority of people actually don't want either of these parties. <laughs> so like we already have the numbers to, to elect a third-party person. Now, you know, I, I think the third-party people are corrupt and bought and paid for now too, so for the most part. So it, it's like I don't want to be a cynical person, uh, uh, but, you know – I also pay attention, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think it's so. like, um, maybe it's being more realistic than uh, cynical, because I've also been learning about, like, it's more so through uh, reading, like, and listening to Black Liberation, uh, like Malcolm X and stuff, and saying that, like, the two parties are really just two sides of the same coin. And um, so and they kind of, they work hand in hand, with each other and um even when i was following uh christopher hedges i haven't listened to his stuff recently but back then like he was really influential for me when i was uh younger and he would always say that the both parties are funded equally by guys like goldman sachs and stuff like that so they you know they they hedge their bets they don't they don't care they just want whoever is going to get in to support their whatever they want and to pass laws that benefit them. Um, another way I kind of look at the, the two parties in the system is that it's kind of like, again, like going back to the abusive analogy I said before, like the, it's almost like an overt narcissist and a covert narcissist. Like the overt one would be like the, maybe the Republicans where they're more in your face. Like there's the military aspect that like you can see it. It's easier to see it. Uh, yeah. whereas like the covert narcissist, like they kind of hide, but they're there. Like they, you can feel it. Like they, they say stuff that backhanded insults and stuff that sounds like a compliment, but it's really <laughs> undermining you. That might be more like a democratic, like where they pass reforms and laws and so on that pretend to help. But really, if you read the fine print, it's only designed to 
shore up their power. I don't know if that helps people to understand a bit more, but I think if we could get out of just thinking about the the two like the political system and start thinking about the system itself and how the political system is just one it's like a pillar of the system like it supports the system but it's not the system itself like the like their middle middle management (laughs) yeah yeah for sure Mm -hmm. uh to me it's the you want to vote for the wolf or the wolf with sheep's clothing (laughs) yeah you know, exactly. and and again, like even the even the emphasis on politicians is is a waste of energy because that's not where the power is. There, like you said, management um, they don't they don't write and often don't even read the legislation that they sign. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm not that's not an exaggeration. Like literally, a lot of times they do not even read what they're signing. I mean, if you look at the you know like the I remember when the Patriot Act came out. I was like it was. It was put forward. I think it was it was well over a thousand. It was either twelve hundred, sixteen hundred pages. I mean, it was really long. And it was like they had this session and they they released it. I'm like, there's no way they could even had time to read this thing. Like, what are they voting on? They don't. How can they be voting on something that they haven't even had time to read? And mm-hmm. but that was like, well, that's not the point. Like, they don't they don't read the stuff. It's not. <laughs> that's not. The, so anyway, so yeah, like I mean, we have a. We have a president, <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden. I mean, it's 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 almost like theater. You wonder if this is all intentional, but you have this guy that's like clearly has dementia and is as not not even a functioning human being, and that's sad for him as a human being, even though he's a pretty terrible human being. But it's so, so much bigger than him, or mm-hmm. or even Donald Trump or whatever. That's not where the power is. That's a that's that's theater. That's a that's a circus. It's a circus. That's funny. HBO even has a series called The Circus, but they're actually taking it serious. It's like no, it's good to call it a circus because it is a circus. But don't pretend like it's not a circus on the show. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's funny. Yeah. Oh, it kind of reminds me of like the the Monty Monty Python, like the silly party or something, when they're voting for all the silly <laughs> party and they're all clowns and stuff, but. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that, bring that back. It, it'd be more entertaining, <laughs> at least. At least to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, with the and then so I just um, maybe with uh, as we kind of reach the later part of the show, if you want to talk a bit more about the fundraiser itself and how people uh, will support the trip out to California, and um, and I again I'll put links into the description for. Uh, the fundraiser so if people want to donate or feel like they would like to offer i'd say i say it's more like a gift because i mean i will say that you and allison have done a tremendous amount of work um so in a way it's just you know gifting you something to help support uh your journey to california yeah thank you well and first first of all i I would just encourage people if you haven't to check out some of the allison's videos she's allison mcdowell on youtube um and you, you'll see, we'll see some of the site visits we've done in the past um, to actually get wrap your mind around what it is we're trying to do there. Um, but yeah, so Allison is actually um, she's paying for like her airfare and her because she she's a little bit more secure financially than I am. I, I'm pretty much broke. I mean, uh, yeah, I kind of just get by, but. Um, but yeah, so we're just we're basically just raising money for gas and some food, and I also have a few van repairs. To, I have a I have a van that I'm taking out, and I'm 
I'm picking Allison up, I think in Las Vegas, and then we're going to go from there, but, um, she's in Philadelphia. Uh, but, uh, yeah, basically just to cover some expenses for the trip. And, and again, I'm like, I actually donate my time and, and my, I, my I camera gear and everything that I use and everything that I, um, you know, honestly, if I had, you know, even a little bit of resources, I wouldn't even, you know, spend any energy asking for donations. Cause I don't really enjoy that. Like I, to me, it's not about that. It's just, I want to do the work. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to actually get, get this. It's, it's interesting because we're, the work that we're doing is difficult because it's not just teaching something, somebody, something new. You have to, for a lot of people, you have to actually unlearn a lot of things. A lot of things you think about how the world operates are just simply not true. And so that's a huge obstacle to overcome. And that's why we've been very frustrated because people are actually, you know, I have had friends that are actively like hostile towards this information. I'm like, is it, you know, challenge it, whether or not it's okay, true or not, like, or whether or not you agree that this is happening, but that's not what happens. Like they actually actively resist it. <laughs> and it's, and, and I think the reason why is because they have a career that, you know, will be challenged that might be challenged if they actually take this in and understand these things because the consequences of what they're setting up are so great that anyone with a conscience, if they actually knew what was being set up would be against it. Everyone would be against it. You know, even if it meant them losing their job or losing their friends or whatever. And that's, you know, me, uh, I've lost, I've lost friends and I've lost relationships because of people don't want to, don't want to listen to, to this information. It, 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 it upsets their, they're comfortable. I mean, it's not even that they're, they're comfortable, but it just, I don't know how to put it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like the, I, I've lost friends as well. Cause I talk about this stuff and they, they don't want to hear it. Cause a lot of my former friends worked in like cancer research, which really is just a front for big pharma. Um, and a lot of them were like the progressives, but I'm like the progressives are like the ones that really, really are. Like I, I know we just talked about trying to stay out of the uh, political stuff, but it's just like the way, like their value system is more in line with that. And they're the ones that are really pushing cybernetics. Uh, so I've had to walk away from a lot of relationships and some, some yeah, I just have to make, it's it's like we kind of have to we're being I think I feel like maybe we're being asked to make some choices, and it's hard. It's not easy. I can and I can sympathize with people, um, but it's yeah. just. I mean, people mean well. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, that's the thing is it's it's coming, it's coming from a good place. Like their their support of cancer research, is coming from a good place. Yeah, and that's that's what's so difficult about it is. Uh, you know, I worked, I, I mentioned before, but I worked at a cancer center for four years and mm-hmm. I, I, at some point I'm like, okay, people are doing all these bike rides and runs and all this stuff to raise money, which is going to these like bloated, ridiculously overpriced, rich corporations and nobody questions that. And then, and the, and then the fact that they're not 
they're not actually solving the problem. Or, I mean, even more importantly, I think there should be at least as much emphasis on on preventing cancer than there is on curing cancer. Yeah. But they don't want to talk about prevention because then they're going to they're going to be there's going to be some implications there. Yeah. What is it? Why is it that everyone's getting cancer? And 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 there are industries that are directly responsible for it. And yeah. they, they do not want to they just want to cure it like they they'll keep poisoning us and curing it. And even in my, I've mentioned this in interviews before, but uh, like the department I worked in. When the patient load would go, it was radiation oncology. And when the patient Mm -hmm. load would go down, the administrators would kind of panic because that meant less money was coming into the department. And that doesn't mean they want people to get cancer, but it was just the, it was the situation, you know, like your, your income is dependent on people having cancer. (laughs) You know, if, if, if if we, if we got rid of it, you know, we, we, all these people are going to lose their jobs. And that's just like the kind of, going back to like the cruelty of the system you know it's just like it's, it preys upon the well and the good because yeah most people are good intentions like i think that most people that are involved in these companies and stuff are just trying to you know do what they think is good work um and the predatory the psychopathic system like take is more than happy to take advantage of that especially if it gets what they want and so that's just that's where i want to point out to people like this is a very cruel system this digital this and it is an empire it's a very cruel empire like it's not i think even michael parenti talked about the heart of he called it a heart of darkness if i got that correctly but like you know this is it's not a system that's set up to promote life it's a system that it's really destructive at its core um, yeah. but, uh, if you have, cause we have about maybe, cause I just don't know how zoom works. Like if that, cause I have this for about an hour and a half and I don't know if it'll like just shut off on me oh. or if it'll let me keep going. Um, but if you want to spend the last, maybe like, like 10 minutes, just, uh, talking a bit more about the fundraiser and if there's anything that, uh, you would like to you know, maybe conclude with, um, just because I, yeah. I I would like to go longer, but I just don't know if if Zoom has a thing where it's like, oh, it's an hour and a half, you're out, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, no worries. Well, if I would have known, I could have set it up on my thing. But um, oh, awesome. anyway, next time. Yeah, next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, basically, like I I imagine that like because you talk about Alice and a lot of people that listen to you already know about the work that she does and um. But yeah, we we need. We, I mentioned earlier, we're trying to tell a different story, and it's it's a much deeper story, and it goes back. It goes back to colonialism. It goes back to the mission system. It goes back to uh, even like different the the rise of the merchant class and 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 the rise of like capitalist systems um, and these artificial institutions called corporations and. Uh, it's it's a different story than the story that we're we've been conditioned to believe, and it's it's not a you know people always want like oh, send me the I'm not going to watch we, Alice and I do these very long shows three four five hours uh, and um, people are like well send me the send me the five minute version or whatever and it's like well it, it's not like it doesn't work like that you know <laughs> I, I wish I could I wish I could condense this down to like five minutes. But but we are 
we're 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 presenting a lot of information that a lot of people have never heard and putting it into a context and a frame that's that's very different than than what people are used to but i think in the coming uh months years decades this is this work that we're doing is going to be really 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 important um because it's it's going to allow people to try understand um you know what actually happened and hopefully Maybe it's not – that sounds negative too. Like it's going to – that was an inevitable thing. Like even I'm conditioned in that in that headspace. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just kind of doing this and, and trusting the universe. <laughs> I, I, I always laugh at the universe thing. But um, yeah, I mean just look at our work and, and check it out and see what you think about it. But keep an open mind and, 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 and maybe l allow it to maybe – present a different way of looking at things. And even if it's uncomfortable at first, I think you have to, you know, you can't go around it. You can't avoid it. You can't fight it. You just have to, you know, first acknowledge it and, and see things for what they are. I think mm -hmm. that's the, that is the first step to us being better and, and getting ourselves in a better situation. Mm -hmm. And and it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Like I've, I've been doing a little bit of ancestral work. I did a uh, indigenous ally workshop a couple, couple. Actually, it was back in 2019, so it was the later part of 2019. I think it was November. And um, one of the the facilitators, she is from the. Um, I, I think I probably I don't know if I'm pronouncing their nation's name properly, but the Hilsa. First Nations, I think I probably mispronounced that, so I apologize. But, um, you know, she says to us that, you know, we're going to be uncomfortable together. Like, this isn't an uncomfortable conversation to have, like, about what happened between the two, between Europeans and Indigenous First Nations. And um, it's, but we can be uncomfortable together, you know, and we're going to make mistakes that's what she was saying to us like we're going to make mistakes and it's just having the maturity to um to learn and to continue to grow together like there was i mean there, she was saying there was a time where people couldn't even be in the same room together uh but now we're coming together to have these uh difficult and probably painful conversations and so i'm just saying that you know the takeaway from that is just um there's growth in being uncomfortable and I think by having these uncomfortable conversations, we can find some healing together as well. Um, and we can be uncomfortable together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. Ch yeah. Check out the website and, and check out Allison's work. Uh, I've, I've dedicated a very large amount of my life for the past two and a half years to advancing this work because I, I believe that much in it. And and I'm hoping that more and more people, um, I think people are starting to, to, to wrap their mind around what's, what's, what's happening and what's coming. Um, but we're still at the early stages and, and there's a lot of catching up that we all need to do, including myself. Uh, mm -hmm. so that's what we're yeah. trying to. I was help. trying. Oh, go ahead. Oh, just help facilitate. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to say. I'll try and encourage people to. Um, I mean, not just read books, but just spend time. Um, like I, I kind of like how in the discourse forum, we're encouraged to raise the bar where 
and I fell into this bad habit too when I was I'm not really on social media too much anymore but when I was it was just like copy paste copy paste articles without actually doing the work to check and and read them and formulate my own opinions and thoughts on it on it and so you know when you read these things when you read these articles like take the time to read and, and formulate your own thoughts and like there's no cliff ver- cliff notes version of what's happening it does involve like a commitment to learning and understanding what's going on and not just um and, and avoiding the copy paste habit that i think a lot of us myself included have picked up from using too much social media yeah yeah and I, i'm the same way and i'm the one that set the forum up and even even i am i'm not the i'm, I'm the i'm not the strongest link in the in the forum um, in terms of actually doing the hard research and i'm i'm actually in the process of conditioning myself. In fact, I just watched a thing this morning with Stanley Drucken Miller Drucken anyway, uh, and pa- Palantir. So I'm going to, this afternoon, my, my project is to dissect this thing and, and made it make a post about it. But I, I, I'm the same way. We, we've, we've been conditioned even, even with like the social media, just to scroll through and you see something interesting and you share it. And then you make some like your own personal, like, you know, jokes about it or a meme about it, but actually stopping and like analyzing it and, and thinking about it and maybe even like doing further research from it. You know, you like you'll post an article and a lot of the articles only give you surface stuff, but the real, the real stuff is actually what's behind that article. So, you know, you'll have a name of a person. Oh, who's this person? What are their kind of, and you, you, you'll go down these, these little rabbit holes, but the, the rabbit holes are where the truth is at. It's not in the initial art article. Um, but, but sometimes that initial article can be a, a, a launching point for, mm. for actually finding out what, what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And so we need to, we need to recondition ourselves into being more proactive and, and, and trying to find out, like, even when I buy a book, I'm like, who, who's the author of this book? What are their connections? And cause at least I may still get the book and read it. Um, but I'll have an understanding. Oh, this person is associated with this organization or this. So they're going to come at it from this frame, or maybe they're just an overt, you know, propagandist or whatever, and not like mm-hmm. a real historian. I mean, I don't think there are hardly any actual true historians. Like everyone's, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone has these biases and, and, but you know, putting it out there, uh, there's a, I, I've studied the Borgia family, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, I started off with like reading about Lucretia Borgia. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but it's a famous story where she, you know, the the families, they would marry off the daughter for political power. And then as, as, as the family gained more political power and this marriage was not, uh, useful anymore, they would figure out to get rid of that marriage and marry her off to someone else. So she was like a political pawn, but there's a whole bunch of stories around her that she, you know, some that she was evil and she would poison her husbands, but she was really kind of, I think, a victim of her family. Victor Hugo actually wrote a, a, an opera about her. But I was studying okay. her and I, and I was reading all these different books about the Borgia family. And Rodrigo Borgia became Pope Alexander VI, who actually oh, wow. issued – yeah, he's the one that actually issued a lot of these uh, papal bulls that, that the the – U.S. property laws is founded on. So there's a lot of – the Borgia family is really fascinating. And then Cesare Borgia, Machiavelli's The Prince is largely based on Cesare Borgia. So wow. the, the Borgia family is 
there's like a, a Showtime series and whatever, but like actually reading about the Borgia family, it's directly is interesting. But I noticed in reading different books about this family that there were like different versions of it from book to book. Mm-hmm. And I, and so it, it was like my first introduction to like the, the rewriting of history or like, you know, you got to question everything. Mm-hmm. And I really, there was a, a woman by the name of Rachel, a historian named Rachel Erlanger that I really appreciated her book about Lucretia Borgia because she laid it out. She said, oh, this piece of information came from this source. And that source actually was a political enemy of the Borgia family. So, you know, the, the legitimacy may or may not be true, but she just, it, it was, it wasn't more like this is history, like set in stone. It mm-hmm. was more loosey goosey, you know, but we want to know like, okay, what is the, what is the truth? That one you didn't, you, she didn't leave you with like, oh, this is the truth, but it was, it was just laying it all out there. It was, it was mm-hmm. a lot, it was refreshing to read that. And I think that's how historians should be. Um, I just kind of went off on a tangent there, but I don't know why. I that's okay. Well, I think it's, you know, maybe it's a conversation for another uh, topic because that's really interesting. Uh, and I'll yeah. I'll keep in mind when I'm uh, going through the, uh, I mean, there's not much I'm going to edit out. I think it's just the beginning of that. Um, but, or maybe I'll edit this out. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was just going, I, like, maybe that's a conversation for something because that is an interesting topic in of itself. Um, and I'll, I'll keep in mind the lady that you mentioned as well. Uh, and then, um, I'm going to probably, uh, stop off around here just cause I, I'm, again, I just don't know what Zoom does with like, if, yeah. cause I put a time, like a time frame yeah, on that's, it, that, but that's I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, anyways, that, that, that whole thing just relates to the work that we're doing. We're, we're trying to mm-hmm. uncover the history and, and, what's and, going and, on. and a lot of times it's kind of a different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, that's that, that kind of does tie, but yeah. yeah but thank you well, so I, much. Well, thank you, and I appreciate everyone's work on the like Alice and you, and there's a few others as well that have done uh, some really important and really good work in this space. And I hope that whatever I can do with this podcast and anything else in the future, like just helps to add to that and to uncover some of this history. Um, I mean, I'm kind of familiar with that cover up of like different versions of history because I'm trying to recover my uh, Celtic ancestry. And a lot of that information comes from the Catholic church when, and when they went to Ireland, like they, cause the Celts were, they weren't really, uh, and even then like there's older nations that were on Ireland first and then the Celts came. So it's kind of um, recovering that history is, is a bit of a challenge because it's mostly oral. So the only written accounts is from the Catholic Church, but I'm like, how much of that is true and how much is their own bias when they were watching and observing these people or my ancestors? So it's, yeah, it's interesting conversation of, of itself. And um, I appreciate you taking the time to come by and uh, and talk with us and share about the fundraiser. And I really encourage people to, you know, uh, watch the Allison's presentations and, especially her site visits. And if you'd consider gifting um, to support the trip out to California, I will have links to the, where you can uh, give a donation if you feel moved to. And um, yeah, thank you very much everyone for stopping by the cafe. And I I promise I will get the third installment of the geoengineering (laughs) transhumanism out soon. I've just uh, been busy, but I, read a couple of chapters so i'll have to put together 
some notes and do a show on that over the next couple of days or so. Um, so thank you everyone for coming by and thank you very much, Jason, for uh, taking the time to uh, come by. Um, and uh, okay, so I'm just going to. Mm -hmm.